0: The People's Passions.
1: I'm Hannah. <laughs> and I'm Katie. And this is the People's Passions. passions. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Kinda like saying it
0: at the same time. Um, <sighs> <welcome. Hey. laughs> um thanks to everyone who has been listening so far. We're like really grateful and happy that people actually enjoy it
1: and Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> What's <laughs> Turn happening? Turn off your notifications. <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
0: I'm a bit of a mess tonight. I just baked 85 cupcakes it feels.
1: Um, how are you? Uh, good. Today after work, I was walking around like saying like have a good weekend. Hope you have a great weekend. Mm. And then I realized it's Thursday. Mm. <laughs> once I got back to my room. And That's upsetting. Yeah. So, I'm about in the same boat as you are. <laughs> Do you think the kids won't show up tomorrow? Oh, well, I was talking to the adults. Like, that's the worst part. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So they probably all think I'm crazy. Sweet. (laughs) Anything else you want to share from your week? Mm, Okay, I think I had a moment
0: yesterday where I was just so frustrated with, like, a project I was working on at work. And this is so random. But I, I, like, put my headphones in and I put my hair in a ponytail. And I just, like, (laughs) went to work and I got it done. And I was, like, so happy with it. And I don't know. It was just this cool moment of, like... When you think you can't tackle a project or yeah. something, you know? And then you're like, oh, no, I can. Like, yeah. I got this. That was cool. That's awesome. And then I had another moment like that on Monday because I did my first full-length MCAT. So, like, the full, like, seven-hour one. Because mm-hmm. we... Yeah, because it was Labor Day, so didn't have work. And it sucked so much, and I hated every minute of it. But then all of a sudden I was done. Yeah. And I had a score, and that was, like, something I could... How'd it about. go? It was not as bad as I thought, like... Um, I don't know, I haven't done as much content review as I should, so I was expecting to not do as well as I... Well, okay, I took a diagnostic test with you in the library that one time a couple yeah. weeks ago, and that was fine. I was, like, 50th percentile, but I'm at, like, 65th now, which is good. Good. I'd like to be at, like, 75th or 80th. But it's... what's,
1: like, the goal? So remind me.
0: I, yeah, the scores are weird, but basically... <laughs> Now we're doing an MCAT podcast. Welcome.
1: Hi, and welcome. Hi. Um, this, <laughs> is an this is an informational podcast. This is an informational
0: podcast. <laughs> no, uh, I would love to get a 509 or a 510. And I. Doc- like, our pre med at Carroll tells us to shoot for like a 506, I think, which is like 60. Right, but percent. like, what percentage is that? Or percentile is So, pre med at Carroll tells you to shoot for a 67th percentile. Okay. But if you want to have, like, your best possible chance, you probably want to do a little better than that. Really? I mean, 67th, if you have good grades, and it, it won't hurt you. But mm-hmm. if you're, like, applying to some other places, you want to do the best you can, I guess. So, like, I'm not going to go take it tomorrow just because I got 65th one time. You know? Like, that would be silly. So I, I would love to get, like, a 510. We will see. Yeah. I don't want to pay thousands of dollars for prep materials, so I'm trying to kind of do it. Right. Cheaply sucks. Right. That's yeah. hard. And now everyone is exited out of the podcast because they don't want to hear about this. <laughs> they're like, it's all right, boring. <laughs> enough of that, blah, blah. Yeah. So they're like, we don't care about your nerd crap. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs>
1: um, anything from your week that's interesting? Um, this is kind of cool, actually. I've had a lot of frustrating things happening at work just because it's all brand new to me, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't really know, like, what I'm doing. Really, I mean, yeah. I, I kind of do, but not really. Yeah, um, and I started something with some of my harder classes. I just started reading them stories at the beginning of class. Oh, and it's from you know, chicken soup books. Yes, of course. So there's wow, um, my preteen soul. <laughs> yeah, so there's actually one that's written for middle schoolers specifically. Aww. Yeah, wow, and so, <laughs> so um, I started reading, I read one. On Tuesday one on Wednesday and then one today um, the first day it was kind of like weird it didn't really go very well I don't I think it was just you mm-hmm. know you never know and then Tuesday and Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday I just felt really good about it because I started reading mm-hmm. and they're just so funny because they act like they hate everything but right. um, I started reading and these are two different classes too like okay. I didn't read it to any one class yeah but I started reading to them and they were all talking at first, but then as I like got into like third, fourth paragraph, they got like dead quiet. Oh, that's cool. And it felt, it just felt really cool because, I mean, because of my subject matter that I teach, I know how important it is, right? And yeah. I know how it can move people and make them feel a certain way. Yeah. But when you don't like English, it's really hard to understand that. And yeah. so without them realizing that, that they're understanding it on a weird level like they like hearing stories but cool. they would never admit it you know yeah, yeah. so yeah that was just something that worked really well for me um and it just made me feel really good oh that's awesome good job yeah Thanks. that's really
0: sweet middle schoolers are so hard like I, I would nobody could pay me to go back to middle school like that's <laughs> me neither <laughs> I don't know it's like things are either super fun or you're like miserable and you think everyone hates you and it's just so sad
1: yeah and
0: yet yeah, I don't know it's like yeah, it's just it's such a hard age. I don't
1: know. Yeah, no, it really it makes me is. sad. It is, no, it is, and it's because they just want to
0: like be loved.
1: All of them, like, it's right, so sad. right, and it's hard because yeah. not everybody has access to the yeah. type of love that we deserve for sure. So that's which is like low-key what I'm talking about this week. So
0: Ooh. today's not going to be a very like funny episode. I don't feel like no. Today's going to be deep <laughs> more again. serious. Yeah. yeah, which is fine. I mean, I don't know.
1: I I feel like we're allowed to be passionate about serious things, yeah, happy things. Yeah. That's actually what I wanted to kind of talk about. When you're passionate about something, like, especially on this podcast, we're going to explore this a little bit, but I think that you're allowed to be passionate with different emotions. Like, mm-hmm. you don't always have to be happy about mm-hmm. something. You're allowed to be angry about something. Well, like, something. yeah, anger and,
0: and hatred is passion. Yeah. You know? like, it's mm-hmm.
1: not... So is sadness. Yeah. 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 So... Yeah, I wanted to just talk about that. Yeah, and bring that up because I think it's important that everyone understands where we're coming from when right. we say I'm passionate about this, right, right, even right. though it's not funny or it's not sad. No, or it's, it's like not, it could be an issue that yeah. you're really
0: passionate about that's like really upsetting and hard to talk about. But like that brings up the It's the same like biological response like mm-hmm. to when you're super like happy and in love or mm-hmm. like when you're stressed and scared like you know it's the same nervous system response so yeah I think I think that's a good point and yeah I also want to preface too, like if we do laugh at like uncomfortable times when we're talking about serious topics Mm -hmm. it's just because humor is a good way to cope with things and and I do that a lot yeah yeah Mm -hmm. me too so I don't know nobody get mad or something but sometimes it's easier to laugh about the things that are like really upsetting because yeah it's just more fun but
1: and yeah sometimes you just need different ways to help you process Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Okay.
0: Are we ready to start? I am. Are you ready? I'm I'm ready. Um, So this week I'm going to start off. um, I'm going to be talking about ACEs, which um, is a really big topic. I'm not... I don't know. I mean, there are people who get their PhD-level research certifications in these issues. They know... All the facets of it, they know exactly you know all the intricacies and how to talk about it in the best way. I am not that person, you know like i I took public health classes I am obviously really passionate about ACEs and I'll define it in a minute um but i'm not I'm definitely not like the authority on this I just it's something I'm really like I really care about, so I wanted to talk about it today, but yeah, so. I just have a couple, like, resources with me because I've done, I think Kitty and I both brought things that, like, we did in college or, like, worked on to, like, talk about this week, which is kind of funny. Mine was in high school. Oh, there you go. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. So I've done a couple presentations on ACEs just because it has been something I've cared about for a long time. And ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. So ACEs... You know, plural. Um, (laughs) And basically where this came about was a study in 95 to 97, which is like Katie and I were born. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically it was Kaiser Permanente, who's like a big insurance company um, in Southern California, which is where I think they were founded. Um, Basically they did like almost 20,000 interviews of patients that were coming into their clinic and they checked, they tested like, um, You know, what are your current health problems? What are you dealing with? Have you ever been suicidal, depressed? Did you graduate high school, college? You know, all these questions. And then they asked them to, like, think back and, like, talk about their childhood experiences. So did you have a parent that was in prison? Did you ever have days where, like, you didn't know where you were going to get your next meal? Like, there's a bunch of categories, and I'll, I'll, like, read the categories, too. But basically, this was kind of the first major study done on like childhood trauma Mm -hmm. and the effects throughout life Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like the beginning of this big wave of like trauma-informed care Mm -hmm. which is still like developing and evolving and stuff but um yeah it's just super fascinating so basically aces fall into three categories it's abuse neglect and household dysfunction And these are things like, you know, were you abused? Were you somebody who uh, witnessed domestic violence in the home, witnessed substance abuse, Um, did your mother have a mental illness, was your father an alcoholic, all these different things. And what's really crazy about this is things that happen in, you know, when a child's like four or five or even one or two um, will play a role on basically every factor of their life. So. I mean, even things like, will they develop cancer? Like, will they, um, you know, develop Alzheimer's? Will they graduate from college? Like, and it's, the thing I really want to make clear about this too is that, like, it's not a determinant. So, like, if these things happen to you in your childhood, there's nothing saying, like, oh, that's exactly what's going to happen to you later. Like, you're not going to have a, you know successful life or something that's not what I'm saying but it greatly increases the chances of having issues in your life Mm -hmm. and of no fault of a child's own you know Mm -hmm. um so it's just really like fascinating and a little bit about like my personal passion in it too um is that I worked at a psychiatric hospital for like a year and a half and I just really loved it and um I learned so much there about like the role that a person's family and upbringing has and like the way that their health goes you know and it was just it would be so upsetting to me when I would be like consoling a kid who you know had a recent suicide attempt maybe they were like 16 and all they want is to be loved by their parents and then their parents don't show up to the visit or you can't make sense of it like it's just it's the hardest thing but um yeah so there's like lots that I can talk about with this and you're an educator too, so I'm sure I think you mentioned you had like a little training on this or something. Yeah, I did. It yeah. can really affect
1: your your progress. In oh, for school. sure. Yeah. Well, it's
0: like your cognitive development. Well, and that's another thing too, so I'm not gonna go fully in like the physiology of it, but basically it like when you go through a stress. Like, what we're talking about with passion, too. This stress thing, we talked about this. Yeah. It's so Like, chronic crazy. stress, yeah. So, basically, like, when you go through chronic stress. And acute stress. Yes, yeah. yes. But when it's, like, repeated, especially, so when you're observing domestic violence in the home and it stresses you out or any number of things, and then you aren't given the proper channels to, like, release that stress or talk about it or, you know, cope with what's happening, mm-hmm. basically, like, you, your neurons are, like, faulted like they you won't make as many like neural connections in your brain and so when you have a really young child who goes through traumatic experiences and witnesses traumatic things in the home or is food insecure again there's I think 10 um, scores basically Mm -hmm. Um, basically they can track their like neural development and they just don't develop as many like connections of their neurons which is insane like it's it is so it's so fascinating and it's like It's the thing that, I don't know, I always have to catch myself because I always think this stuff's so interesting that I get caught up in it. And I have to remind myself, like, these are people's lives, you know? This is not just, like, a cool science fact. So it's really, it's an important thing. And anyone that wants to go into education or healthcare or, I mean, there's a big push for social work, like, all these sorts of things. Right, Um, anything where you're
1: dealing with people. With people, Yeah. yeah,
0: because people go through trauma. So I asked one of my friends, um... Shout out Emily Kotz. Is a elementary school educator, so she teaches yeah. kindergartners. I just asked her, like, hey, do you have any thoughts on ACEs or whatever? Uh-huh. And I'll just read a little bit about what she says. Okay. So I'm just going to read this. She said, as an ed- educator, I see ACEs firsthand and how much it impacts kids in all areas, academic, social, emotional, it changes their brain chemistry and they're constantly in flight fight or flight mode. I took a course on trauma and tra- toxic stress and they explained it as constantly feeling like there's a moving truck coming at you at full speed so your brain is always in that mode even in the situation even if the situation you're in would be considered really small to other people. It's way harder it's way harder for you to deal with and those kids are usually the ones who lash out the most, but they're the ones that need the most love at the same time. It takes a lot of time and a lot of relationship building and making a connection with that child to create a safe place for them. That's when they really start to bloom. The ages when it's most impactful are birth to third grade especially. That's why resiliency is so important because if they have one stable, loving person in their life, they can really push past all the negativity. But I don't know. I just thought that was so cool. because, wow. like, Yeah, because she she's a kindergarten, right. like a uh, long-term sub right now. And she used to talk all the time to, like, she was one. If she was here in... Uh, Helena, I would have her on the show to talk about this because yeah. she's she really cares about this stuff too. Yeah. But it's difficult because people with so there's these things called ACE scores. Mm-hmm. So all the different categories I've said, like um, you know, food insecurity, an incarcerated parent, those all have a score of one, and you basically add up your score yeah. on a scale of like zero to ten, and the higher your score, the more likely you are to have these health problems or suicide attempts or depression or you know it's just it's it's fascinating and it's not like something that is like I don't know it's not it's not your destiny if you go through childhood trauma that your life is going to be more challenging I mean I don't know it's not like that is what's guaranteed for everyone that goes through it but it just greatly increases your chances of things like that yeah which is why like I don't know empathy and care of, like, people who maybe are struggling in school or even, like, juvenile delinquents who, yeah. like, act out and, like, get in trouble with the law, like, chances are they, like, are, have gone through some sort of trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a project for a class I was in last semester, and it was on predicting criminality. Ooh. And this was really, really tough because I talked about ACEs a little bit. And just how, like, there used to be all these ideas of, like, oh, you know, the thing that's that's in common about serial killers is that they all hit their head. Or they all... Right. You know, all these different things. But it's childhood trauma that they all have in common. And it's just, it's so interesting because most people in the legal system, and let's move away from serial killers, but, like, nonviolent offenders, too. Yeah. It's because they observed drugs in the home and they observed these, like, traumatic experiences... And so I think, ideally, more and more, a lot of prison systems that are, you know, on board, like, there's some really crappy prison systems out there, like the for-profit ones and stuff, but some prisons are trying to get on board with, like, a trauma-informed model where they'll actually do, like, some counseling and stuff to try to, like, get to the root of what's causing people to commit crimes, and typically it's, like, unchecked trauma. So, yeah, it's just, I think it's the most fascinating thing in the world, but,
1: yeah. I don't know why, but I just keep... This keeps running in my head every time you say Mm -hmm. something, one one or the other. Um, Mm -hmm. But nature versus nurture. Did Mm -hmm. you talk about that, like, with aces? Like, what's, Mm. I mean, how does that come into play, or does it at all? I, this is hard, because I'm trying to remember what they, I think this was in this
0: article. Um, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was basically saying, like, kind of cyclic trauma, you know, where it's like, when it happened to their parent and their parent and their parent and their parent, so like generational trauma. There can trauma. be yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, um, there can be like genetic changes because if you think of the like the neuronal changes that happen in your brain, um, there can be like genetic changes when you go through trauma or stress, mm-hmm. and like some of those things can be passed down. But I think mainly it's a nurture thing. I mean, that's such a it's such a big debate, you know, that like. Either way, I pick a side somebody's going to disagree. But Mm -hmm. I I really do think that, like, your genes only say so much about you, you know? Um, It's mainly, like, the way that you're brought up. Because even, I mean, there are plenty of times where your parents are raised in a bad situation and they break the cycle with you. They're able to, um, through resilience and coping skills and all these things, they're able to break the cycle. So at that point the nurture is used as like an advantage you know that environment is like loving and supportive so that's like a really positive thing but I mean I think unfortunately more often we see kind of that when your parents go through it that's what they inflict on you that's what you will inflict on your kids it's this like cyclic trauma and that's I think that's harder to break but I think that is more uh nurture than nature but I remember I read something about Um,
1: generational trauma and genetics, but I don't know. Well, we talk about generational trauma in literature, actually. Really? Um, Yeah. Like with the... Have you heard of the graphic novel, Mouse? I have not. So it's a graphic novel about a Holocaust survivor, but the writer of the story is the son of that Holocaust survivor. Okay. And he talks about, like, how the trauma of the Holocaust has... I guess affected his own life and how okay. his dad's trauma has played a role in his life Yeah. And like had long-lasting effects in that way. And so, yeah, yeah we kind of talk about that a little bit with like world literature and different world experiences and yeah. different world traumas. So I think that's super interesting because I I never really realized like
0: I don't know just how much like the way you're brought up affects how you are now. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I think the first time I really realized it was when I lived here with you guys and neither of you, like, were super hyped on decorating for Christmas. Like, I don't know why, but that was, like, a big thing for me where I was, like, whoa. Like, That's interesting. It was the weirdest moment, but, and this is, like, obviously outside of ACES, but I just, that was when I realized, like, whoa, because I had Christmas decorations every year, it's, like, important to me to have Christmas decorations. Mm-hmm. and. And I think it was just also throughout college, like, learning about my little tics that I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I said I would never become my parents.
1: <laughs> we all say yeah, that, you know? and, and, like, and then totally I look back am. and I'm like,
0: okay, no, I'd be lucky to be my parents, number right. one. And number two, like, I also am. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. Which I think if you're raised in a home that is supportive and nurturing, every home has problems, but then that's, like, you know kind of a cool thing you can take pride in but if you're raised like a lot of us are in a home that has dysfunction or some issues then that can become a scary thing because then you're like am I destined to become the person that my parents were or that my grandparents were or you know it's like that whole idea of is this my destiny or something and it's not and resiliency like that Emily talked about in her little text it was like that's one thing we used to talk about a lot at show Dare was how do we teach these kids to be resilient to where they have a support system and no matter what's happening in the outside world they can maintain their calm yeah both like emotionally and like physically because that's a lot of this aces thing is like the physical like response to when bad things are happening in mm-hmm. your brain like it's not that you're like panting and freaking out like you know, you wouldn't be able to see someone necessarily and know that they're, like, having a trauma response of, right. like, a stress response, but, it, like, your brain is just going off the charts. Right, you're not going to know that someone's in chronic stress. No. Typically, no. at least. Well, especially if it's, like, repeated, then, like, they might not even externally react, but their brain is firing, like, yeah. on all cylinders, which is crazy.
1: Another thing that we talked about at my training, which I found really interesting, was um, the way that we deal with that stress mm-hmm. like some people take it head on yeah and they are like okay I'm here for this like I'm gonna do something about it but then some people like hide away yeah um god and I found that so interesting because I think about you know like students and you know some are very loud and yeah. some are very in your face and you can't yeah. figure out why but then there's some that won't talk to you at all they just yeah. sit back and don't care you know yeah and it's it's hard to think about them in a way of them having stress because it can be frustrating but it's important to get back to that and remember that that might be something that's going
0: on yeah did you see that picture that I put on my Instagram story it was like a repost from one of my friends that it was like what you know about you know or it was like what you know about the situation what's actually happening or whatever yeah I think that's so cool because it's so, it's so true. And that was the same thing at Shodair. We would have a kid where I'm like, why does this kid insist on, like, hitting my hand? Like, or, you know, yelling and throwing something out of the room. Like, and it would get so frustrating because you're like, I'm trying to help you. Like, I'm one of the good people. I'm on your side. Like, why won't you just stop acting like this? Mm -hmm. And you have to remember that, like acting like that and like being angry has like protected them from the crappy stuff that was going on in their life and for a while that works right like for a while they're able to be protected because they're angry and they you know they fight the people that want to like beat them up or whatever like it's it's a what's it called a defense mechanism right but that you you can't last with that you know so it's like breaking that cycle of like that worked when you were young and you needed to defend yourself or when you were in this abusive situation and you needed to defend yourself like that got you through so there was a place for that and we understand but you can't maintain that because it's exhausting for your body for your soul like I don't know I just I think that's so interesting and it's a good call out for me too because I feel like we have this big I don't know if we've ever talked about this before because I feel like I talk about this a lot um but, like, this cutoff culture where, like, if somebody, like, does something wrong to you or they, like, say something crappy or they don't talk to you for a while, then you cut them out of your life, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you don't need them. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this big idea that, like, that people are just—that there's, like, a one-strike rule for people, even people that you're close with. Yeah. And it's, like, even if somebody does the, the most awful thing to you, you still— because they're a human being yeah. you still owe them the amount of time it takes for you to ask okay what could be going on behind the surface there right. you know like what's going on behind what the situation is and that's I mean and it's frustrating because not everyone gives the courtesy back you know and so then you're like okay I'm so patient with people what you know yeah but it's like if you do the best job you can being a patient and empathetic friend, then that's all, I mean, that's all you can do, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I just, I think that's really interesting, too, that, like, sometimes we are so, like, quick to be, like, oh, you don't need them in your life, like, whatever, they're being negative, like, shut them out. Well, we're in that throwaway cold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, like, if somebody's being really negative and it's hard to be around them, why don't you, like, go get a coffee and ask them what's going on? Like, instead of saying oh i can't really be around her like
1: she's really negative like it's really hard on me it's like ask them what's happening like right. i
0: don't know it's not it's that hard because
1: it's it's hard to have like toxic things in your life so it's yes. it's easy to see why you would want to get rid of that i get that but at the same time people aren't things right right and if it's somebody you care
0: about and they're being toxic right now Like, it's okay to be upfront about that and and ask why that's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I do think that that's right. Like, sometimes there are people who genuinely, like, make a negative impact on your life. And that's, I'm not saying put up with things that make your life worse. I'm saying when you have people in your life, whether it be your sibling, your boyfriend, your best friend, like, and they are acting out of the norm and you're tempted to just you know say whatever i'm done they're acting they don't, they're not like they used to be yeah why don't you take that opportunity to find out what's happening under the surface because maybe they have a sick cousin or like yeah. it's you just literally never know like right. what people are going through so i don't know i think that's interesting but that's a good point as far as like the toxic thing cuz i've definitely had friends in my life where the the relationship was never good mm-hmm. and so that's different you know that's that's a different thing where it's like no there are some people who don't you don't have to make space for people who continually drag you down.
1: Right. But Especially if, if something's if you, out of the norm... Yeah. Check. Yeah. 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 I don't know how long we've been talking, but I feel like... I want to ask you, because mm-hmm. I really want to know, like, how has your passion mm-hmm. helped you in your life? Mm-hmm. Like, what has it taught you about mm-hmm. yourself, and yeah. why do you think you are continually drawn to this? No, you know? I think that's a good question. Um... Yeah, I think so. I do
0: want to go into healthcare. care. Um, like, it's been my goal for many, many years. And one thing that I continually, like, read articles about and we talk about a lot in my public health classes is that, like, sometimes doctors don't listen to their patients. And especially this happens with, like, women and minorities um, where, like, they'll say they have pain mm-hmm. and then they won't get listened to and then, like they'll pass away because they never were taken seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a lack of... I mean, for a long time, doctors looked, acted, sounded the same. You know, it's like, for a long time, they w- they didn't have to be as compassionate as possible. They just had to be good at science. Yeah. And now, like, it's it's very different. Like, you have to demonstrate that you, like, care about other human beings. And... Which, like, duh, that should have been happening the whole time. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, like, the idea that you, you're you not going to be able to control what's happening behind the scenes of someone's life, but if you can, like, comfort them in the moment of, like, when they're in your exam room or... I mean, even with friends, like, it doesn't even have to be in, in the light of my, like, future profession. It's just the idea that in this life that can be stressful and hard, you can... Take yourself out of your own crap and try to, like, make somebody else feel better by listening to their situation or mm. asking them, you know, like, how is your family life? Like, you know, are you close with your parents? I mean, those are, like, hard questions, but yeah. but sometimes people are just aching to talk about it, you know, and they never get asked or they never – nobody thinks to, like, ask, like, oh, how, you know, do you talk to your brother? Like, yeah. but I just think – I think that's one of the biggest gifts that, like, we have in this life is, like, to – get to know people's stories and not just know them for the sake of knowing them, but knowing them for the sake of like caring and comforting, I think mm-hmm. is one of the main reasons I want to go into medicine too, is like just the idea that like through science and medicine and all these really cool things, I could maybe comfort a human being in their time of stress like that. I Who wouldn't want that? You know, like that, that makes total sense. So that's, that's one thing for me that like trauma response or trauma interest um has kind of like perked in my own life is that like I want to be committed to being like a trauma-informed doctor and like friend and girlfriend and wife and all of it so yeah that's
1: I think where it comes in for me but that's really cool yeah (laughs) I've never thought about any of it that way so yeah yeah I don't know I I have
0: yeah I'm almost done, but I have always kind of been fascinated with the idea of, like, comfort and control. Like, I think it was when I first went to Uganda with Engineers Without Borders, like, I, it was hard for me because I've lived a very sheltered life. I haven't had to struggle as much as a lot of other people. And that was the first time, at least in a very, like, real, meaningful way, I was, like, faced like face to face with like a human being that was like beautiful and lovely and funny and and happy most of the time but I just remember there was this one girl um that I like was pretty tight with at the school and I just remember her like starting to cry a little bit in front of me and she was like I'm just so scared that like my mom has malaria right now and like we can't afford like the medication or you know a lot of the kids would start crying because they were like we're just so tired of not having enough water and and it was it put like a lot of things in perspective for me but I struggled so much because I wanted to fix it you know I mm-hmm. wanted to be like okay here I come with my big like hero like here yeah. I go I'm going to fix the the drought in Africa it's yeah. like no you're not so, really, all I could do in that moment was, you know, work as hard as I could on the project, obviously, but then try to comfort the person in front of me, you know? And that that was a big, I think, spiritual movement for me, too, to understand that, like, it's not that this all falls on, like, our shoulders, but if we can do the best we can, like, do right by our, like, fellow human, then, like, that's that's all we can do. So, I don't know, I think that's interesting, um, and it comes through and. So many different things. I think of, like, you with teaching, too. It's, like, Mm -hmm. you cannot control what happens when that kid leaves your school, you know? Like, you have zero control over, like, if their parents say (laughs) I love you at night or, you know, have read to them literally ever. Like, you have no control over that. But you can, like, try to comfort them and help them, like, take some solace in your classroom and, like, that. That's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's just really important to... For people like us who want to or are in the human connection service um it's important to create those safe spaces Mm -hmm. for people
0: yeah yeah I think even that term like there's I think sometimes people say like I don't know I think of like my dad sometimes he's like safe spaces like what you (laughs) know like we're such sissies it's like the idea behind a safe space is literally just to have a place where people are like nurturing and loving and where you can take a breath yeah like and not not be I don't know I think people just like to hyperpolarize everything you know and say like oh that's our kids are so soft it's like no
1: kids are more awa- aware of the trauma that they're going through like and they're learning to yeah <laughs> they're learning to work through their emotions yeah like that's something a lot of people never learned how to do yeah and men cry i hate to be the bearer of bad news
0: everyone but men cry (laughs) and it's okay yeah i okay i saw this movie last night with gavin called peanut butter falcon have you seen the (gasps) trailer okay it's so cute but shia labeouf cries like twice and i just it's so funny because that should not be a big deal but it like is i'm like Mm -hmm. when's the last time i saw like a fairly young male actor cry in a movie like never like i don't know so, that, that was cool. I was like, dang, like, I don't know. It seems silly, but it's like, we all go through crap. And some people go through crap that is way more than most of us will ever have to think about or deal with, let alone live in day to day. So, be nice to people. Like, <laughs> I and don't know. try to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And don't say, don't say, oh, I know exactly what you're going through. Because you don't. Because you don't. You don't. You never do. That's, yeah. And it's like... But you can say, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I understand that must have been really tough and I want to be there for you. Right. Boom. Perfect. Right. Like, And th- that's the difference between like sympathy and empathy and stuff too, where it's like, have you seen that Brene Brown animation mm-hmm. with the little bear and the, okay, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Everyone watch that. Brene Brown is like the best person ever. <laughs> but it's basically this like little cute forest animal that's like in this dark hole and it's like the difference between sympathy and empathy and one of the animals like peeks over the hole and is like hey like you're really down there that's a bummer (laughs) and then the other like little animal I think it's a bear he like climbs down in the hole and he says like hey like I'm sorry this is happening to you like how can I help and like that that's so cool too that's that's like the true beauty of human connection is that like we get the chance to like be honest about the fact that we'll never know another person's story, but we care enough to try to understand. Yeah, like that's I
1: don't know. What so cool. I think it takes I don't know if it's like a new concept or if it's just something I never noticed before. But I feel like mm-hmm. I always just automatically assume that it was like the natural response to say I understand. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm that learning. takes some extra details. Like yeah, as yeah. I'm growing and I'm learning. It's not, you know, you need to to say other things. There's other ways to help people. I've found that, like,
0: I, I also kind of, I still do that. I still say, oh, I totally understand. I totally get it. I I totally get it. And it's like, whoa, I don't. So I, I've tried to switch to saying like, oh, I totally hear you. And like, that at least takes it like, so I'm not saying like, oh, everything you're saying completely sunken in. I get it. I'm with you. Like, I mean saying I'm with you is good, but saying I get it is yeah. is harder. It just I mean sometimes you can say that with no malicious intent and like f- it's received fine and they know what you mean and that's okay. But it's just it's important to get out of the habit of acting like just because you've been through something that might be mildly similar that you know what that person's going through because mm-hmm. yeah, you just never know.
1: Yeah, I try really hard with my middle schoolers to be better about that because they're just so aware and they know when someone really cares or not. Mm-hmm. And so, like today, we were doing grade checks and I asked them. I, we looked at their grades and then if there was a problem, we talked about it. And then afterwards, I asked everybody, I said, what do you think your hardest subject is going to be this trimester? Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody had a different answer. And so my response was, I'm sorry to hear that. You think you're going to struggle, but I want you to know that if you need any help, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here for you. Mm -hmm. Um, It would have been a lot easier for me to probably just say, you know, that sucks. It's going to be okay. Yeah. But that's not. Good luck. Good luck. That's not, it's not. That's not like what they need. No, it's, you need to tell them, I believe in you. Right. And it's, it is going to be okay, but you're going to have to work hard. Mm -hmm. And, and then I end it. I say, now, what do you think your favorite subject's going to be? Because they need, they need. They just need yeah, yeah it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's
0: the same. I mean, it's in this podcast, too. It's, like, you need the things that that give you light and excitement because you need your favorite subject, you know? Mm-hmm. You need, like, a random history class that's not going to help you in your career at all. Like, yeah, you know, you need whatever to be obsessed with olive oil or, yeah. like, seriously, you need these little things because life is hard and, like, sometimes you feel lonely for no reason or... Mm-hmm. Something happens that you thought was going to work out and it doesn't, and it's like if you you need those things that like uh, that are your refuge, you know, and like for a lot of us, that's like religion also, yeah, but it's also like your hobbies, or for me, like working out has become a thing that like really helps me, that's and like awesome it's and it's not easy every day, but that's not the point like it doesn't it's not supposed to be easy every day yeah. I don't know,
1: tangent, but
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: um. I guess, to sum it up, anything else you want to add about ACES specifically? Um, I would
0: say if you are interested at all, if you're not bored yet, um, (laughs) just go read something about it, because chances are in your community, too, there's, like, a group that does some sort of advocacy work or, like, legal. Um, There's so, so many, like, facets of this issue. In Helena, we have a really, like vibrant community of people that care about these things because mm-hmm. we have Shodare because we have the legislature here. Like there's a lot of different things that go on in the, in the way of ACEs. But I mean, the small thing that you can do to like combat this big, huge thing called like tr- childhood trauma right. is just to be like a kind and empathetic person. And like, and to know that if you're somebody who you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, I went through these things. Like, does that mean my life is going to suck? No. Like, but you, it it might be harder, and that's something that you have people in your corner to help you work through. Right, therapy's good for everyone. We can't change the world, but we can change ourselves. Yeah, so, honestly, and yeah. like, and even even loving your friends really hard is like such an important part of life, and your parents and your siblings. It's like I don't know. Just I struggle with that a lot because I'm like. I I feel like I know best sometimes. You know, I'm like, Mom and Dad, why are you doing this? Or, well, why are you doing this? Seriously. And then, yeah, no, and I, I do too. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, I don't know best. All I can do is love them the best I can. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, therapy's really good. I, I don't know. It really has helped me in some tough parts of my life. Um, like, my senior year was really trauma-filled, and that was... Of- college or high school of college Mm -hmm. yeah just like family injury job changes car crash family death like all in like a small time frame and it was definitely the hardest time I've ever had it was the lowest I think I've ever felt and what got me out was people and therapy and finding those little pockets of life and light that like you can really get excited about that's why I just, I, my heart aches for, like, your middle schoolers because they know they need to work on themselves, but they don't have the tools or the maturity or the, the
1: ability to do that. Or they don't even understand how. I yeah. started this thing where I do five minutes of meditation every Wednesday. Oh, I love it. With not every class, but one of my, so we have, like, in middle school, you have usually middle school models have an advisory mm-hmm. or, like, a homeroom type of thing. Mm-hmm and so what that's for is to like help them learn how to be like functional you know yeah in whatever way that may mean and so I tried something I I, I'm gonna keep doing it because Mm -hmm. I think persistence is really important Mm -hmm. especially with them because they need people to like reintroduce things to them yeah um so I was like okay we're gonna meditate today for five minutes and they're like what and I'm like it's you don't have to do it if you don't want to Mm -hmm. but at least if you're not gonna participate just put your head down on your desk and just take a five minute break Mm -hmm. like you don't have to do the exercise you just need to take a minute to chill out yeah because you don't get to you all have things running through your brain all the time and you don't really realize it so yeah, the first one didn't really go very well yeah, because they're I'm like, sure.
0: "This is weird," right, you know.
1: Yeah, but I'm gonna keep going. I guarantee, like halfway through, they'll be like, "Oh wow!" I hope so. They'll be like, "Miss yeah. Perigo it's bed <laughs> or Van and crap." Sorry, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> he listened to you say that the other day, and you looked at me. he like frowned. I was oh, like, "Chill out, <laughs> dude." I knew you was four years
0: for Perigo. It's hard to adjust. <laughs> it's um, fine. No, I I guarantee they'll be like asking for it after a while. Yeah, you know. Well, it's like it's like anything else right like it sucks at first you
1: keep doing it and then mm-hmm. you're like whoa like yeah this doesn't suck it's <laughs> actually really funny because you know uh well I don't know if you know this but on yeah. apple watches you can do like a breathing exercise it, I, I heard, heard you, that but, but it's okay well so I told Drew I was like hey I started doing this and I really like it um it kind of helps me fall asleep I was mm-hmm. like do you want to do it together and so that's something we do now every night before so we fun. go to bed. I put the watch on my on my wrist, and then we hold hands so you can feel the the vibrations of it telling you wow. when to breathe. And he's so funny because the first time he was like, that was kind of weird. And then um, now he's like, you know, I sleep so well now that we started this <laughs> meditating stuff. So it's just really, yeah. So we um, just had a mini meeting that we cut out. <laughs> And we've decided, since this one was so long, um, I really... Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) I really liked listening to what Hannah had to say about her passion this week. And so, we're going to just leave it at that. Um, Yeah. And and I, uh, for my job, I'll be traveling a lot,
0: um, starting in the next couple weeks, like end of September. So, this will actually work well, because then Katie will do a couple on her own. I could do some on my own. But mainly... We like
1: to be together obviously, but this this'll work out well. But sometimes so. topics need more time. Yeah. To, to yeah. think and just be For sure. Be developed and be Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Um, find some some laughter in your life today. Yeah. That was a serious topic and we didn't and laugh a lot, which is okay. But give someone a hug, a high five, <laughs> a high five, give them a fist <laughs> A smile, bump. wow, something. there's something about just smiling at people when they're not expecting it it's what so yeah my my parting advice, um be nice to those on the margins, not just nice, but more than that. Welcome them, yes, and I don't know, you never know what people go through, so how about you just be a nice person? That's yeah, a good, good plan,
1: and laugh and laugh. <sighs> Wow. It's my favorite. And talk to people. (laughs) Yeah! Start a podcast. Yeah! (laughs) But also keep listening to ours. one. Mom, are you still there? I don't think my
0: mom's listening still. I'm gonna kill her. I'm so mad. No, not really. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. She probably does and just doesn't. No way! That would require, like, actual effort on figuring out Spotify. Have someone force her to do it. Who? Will. I'll try. Was too busy being a pizza delivery man. <laughs> <laughs> Love
1: you, Will. <laughs> All right. Listen <laughs> All right. We need to end it. Um, um. Cultivate your passions and share them with people. Bye. Bye.